Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. The website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, thanks for joining me this morning. Today, we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to John. And we're almost done with this study. We're going to be reading chapter 19 today, which is 42 verses. And then, Lord willing, next week we'll do the last two, uh, chapters 20 and 21. So that is what is on the agenda for today. Just a reminder where we are in the story. Uh, Jesus has been delivered to Pilate, and uh, that's kind of where we're at. Let's go back real quick uh, to the last couple, few verses in chapter 18 from last week. So Pilate, in verse 35, says, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. There's a lot of misunderstanding and misconceptions about the kingdom of God. And it's never really been uh, a misunderstanding or uh, any of those things throughout church history. Only in the last probably really 70 to 100 years has a lot of the confusion crept in. And this is a topic that we're going to be talking more and more about uh, this year and kind of unpacking and kind of unlearning some of the lies uh, or it maybe even lies is too strong of a word. Some of the uh, misguided teachings that have uh, filled churches in the last couple of decades. But I just want to give you a real short commentary uh, from Matthew Henry from his his concise commentary on this passage right here about what Jesus is saying about his kingdom. So here's what he says. He says, Christ gave an account of the nature of his kingdom. Its nature is not worldly. It is a kingdom within men set up in their hearts and consciences, its riches spiritual, its power spiritual, and its glory within. Its supports are not worldly, its weapons are spiritual. It needed not nor used force to maintain and advance it, nor opposed any kingdom but that of sin and Satan. Its object and design are not worldly. When Christ said, I am the truth, he said, in effect, I am king. He conquers by the convincing evidence of truth. He rules by the commanding power of truth. The subjects of his kingdom are those that are of the truth. You see, the kingdom of God advances and grows through the spreading of the gospel and of the truth. That's why this podcast um, is so important. Because this is how 
we advance the kingdom of God, we don't do it like the world does it, right? Through force, through violence. The kingdom of God, it, it's supported through and advanced through the sharing of the truth. We'll be talking more about that, like I said, as the year goes on and unpacking some of these things a little more as the year goes on, but just something to kind of start thinking about. Let's start chapter 19. I'll be reading from the King James Bible. Let's begin. Verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put it on, put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law we ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall, and he saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou that I have the power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. All right, so let's pause for just a moment. You almost have to feel sorry for Pilate, like he's in an impossible situation. And he doesn't quite understand. He just knows there's something about Jesus and that this situation is wrong. He knows there's no fault in him, but he knows there's something bigger about him. That's why when the Jews say we, you know, he has to die because he claimed to be the son of God, Pilate instantly is filled with even more fear about the situation. And then he says to Jesus, you need to tell me where you've come from. Like, who are you? Jesus doesn't answer. Pilate says, don't you understand that I'm the one with the power? And then Jesus reminds him of the sovereignty and power of God. You think that you have the power, but in reality, you only have what power, you only have the power that's been provided to you by God. Jesus says, thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. And then he says and then he says something that's going to really mess with people's pet doctrines and views about sin. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. There's something to chew on. 
Let's continue on verse 12. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. So please know, now the Jews are acting like they like Caesar all of a sudden, right? Because it's illegal to, you know, uh, pronounce yourself as king against Caesar. When Verse 13, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Again, please note, if this was really about religion and not about their own power, wouldn't they say we have no king but God because they deny that Jesus is deity? But instead, they, they appeal to the political end. We have no king but Caesar. Trying to force the hand of, of Pilate because if he doesn't go in their direction, then they can accuse him of crimes against Caesar. Verse 16. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing the cross, went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which in the Hebrew is called Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two others with him, on either side, one, and Jesus in the mist. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not! the king of the Jews. But that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. So Pilate, he's not, even though he ends up giving in to the request and the demands of the mob, he's not happy about it. And to furthermore mock and agitate the Jews, but also unknowingly and unwillingly he's prophetically announcing that Jesus is king not only in the Hebrew language but in the Greek language and in the Latin language so that anybody who would come across it can read it and, and hear its truth and the Jews of course are demanding that he take it down and he says no what I've written I've written they're like he's not really the king of the Jews he just said that he was and Pilate's like what I've written I've written Verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be? 
that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Please note, one of the interesting things is that a lot of these prophecies about Jesus, specifically about his crucifixion and these things, they're actually... They're actually things that you wouldn't know were prophecy except for in hindsight. Because they come from the Psalms. And so they have a whole different context in the now as they're being written. But then they had all these future prophetic meanings. So this particular one, the, the soldiers are parting his raiment and, and casting lots to see who gets which piece. Which I find awfully interesting. Why would you do that unless you thought there was something special about the person? kind of bizarre uh, but it says the scriptures say that it might be fulfilled what was written in the scriptures verse Psalm, and you find this particular one in Psalm 22 verse 18 they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture let's continue on verse 25 now there stood by the cross of Jesus' mother and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene and when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and his disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he saith unto the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, from that, hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, that they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put upon it hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation, meaning Passover, that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that the Sabbath day was a high day. Please note, when it's talking about the Sabbath day, it's not talking about Saturday necessarily. It's talking about a high Sabbath, which is what happens when the feast roll around. So Passover is a high Sabbath, if that makes any sense. And so because of their traditions, the bodies can't be left. And they besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers to break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record. And his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith is true, that you might believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And another, and again another scripture saith, they shall look on him with whom they have pierced. Alright, so let's take a second. What are these scriptures that John is talking about? John is saying, I'm writing these things to you. So that you might know that what I saw was true. That you might believe. And these things happened to fulfill scripture. So, for, so verse 36. 
For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. There's a couple of interesting things about this. Number one, in the Passover, you're not supposed to break the bones, right? If you go read Exodus chapter 12. But let us go to Psalm 22 again. This time, verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint, and my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. Psalm 34, he keepeth all his bones, and not one of them is broken. Psalm 35.10, All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which deliver the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. But the psalm talking about the broken leg is Psalm 34, verse 20. He keepeth all his bones, and not one of them is broken. But then John brings it up in verse 37, again another scripture, saith, They shall look on him in whom they've pierced. We need to look no further than again, Psalm 22. This time, verses 16 through 17. Here's what it says. This is about the crucifixion. For the dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. All these things that, that David was writing about his own life, turned, many of them turned out to be prophetic about the Messiah. We should also go to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, which says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in the bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. we got a handful of verses left to finish our study for today. Verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Armithia, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave, and he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. So this is interesting. So Joseph, this Joseph of Armithia, was a disciple, but he didn't follow him in the sense that his closest disciples did because he was afraid of the Jews, it says. And then we bring, and then the next verse is going to bring up another character that we've read about earlier on, who was one of the religious leaders who had believed upon Jesus and had a meeting with Jesus. But again, he was also too afraid. If you look at verse 39, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pound weight. So you have these two guys. They knew the truth. But the fear of the Jews and fear of losing their positions, maybe, their power, their wealth, hindered them from being able to fully experience what it was like to follow Christ. But they show up in this moment to do the important thing of the burial. Verse 40. Then took they the body of Jesus... 
and wound it in the linen clothes with the spices, as is the manner of the Jews, is to bury. Now in this place where he was crucified there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never a man laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. So they had to lay him in the tomb that was close by, just because of the Passover and the and the rules about uh, work and Sabbath and all of that. Now he's going to be in the grave for three days, right? So we're clearly not talking about Saturday. We're talking about a high Sabbath. This is why people wonder why I teach so much from and do the Torah portions and teach biblical Hebrew and teach the biblical feast is because without that understanding, without that knowledge, you cannot fully grasp what's taking place in the Gospels. You cannot fully grasp what Jesus is saying and what he's talking about and the images and pictures that he uses to describe things and why things are done the way they are unless you understand the law and understand the feast. That's why I spend so much time on it. There's a huge gap within Christianity that's being filled by groups that are unfortunately spreading a lot of mistruth. But people are gravitating towards those groups because the church is not explaining these things. And so I'm trying to fill that gap. All right, I've, I've unloaded a lot of things to think about this morning, but above all, I just pray that the Word of God has went forth, that it's pierced your hearts, that it's stirred something within you, that you might draw closer to God, and that that truth would go out, which is our mission. Thanks for listening, my friends. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.